Hal Lee was just 10 years old when he saw something strange in the night sky over his home. He and his family lived in the north of Phoenix, in a neighborhood surrounded by hills. And on this night, in March 1997, there was supposed to be a super clear sighting of Comet Hale-Bopp. A lot of people were hoping to catch a glimpse of it. I just remember thinking as a kid, my name's Hal, it's almost the same. So I was like, oh, I'm going to find this comet. Hal remembers he was sitting in his family's 1970s Chevy Nova, parked in the driveway. His dad had just driven him home. The door's handle was broken because the car was kind of old. I always had to wait for my dad to walk around to the passenger side to open the door. As he was sitting there in the car, waiting for his dad to come around the other side, he snuck a peek out the window, hoping to catch a glimpse of the comet in the sky. So I'm looking in the sky to try to find it. I see the comet and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It's a comet. But he didn't just see this comet up there. Something else caught his attention. When I look through the window, I could see like just five little lights in an arch formation. Hal eventually got out of the car, still looking up at the sky. He's like, okay, this could be a plane, a jet maybe? He runs through other plausible answers too. A hot air balloon, a helicopter. He got his dad's attention. So I tell my dad, hey dad, look, there's some lights. And he goes, oh, cool. Cool, yeah, but also mysterious. And Hal was coming up blank stumped by the big question mark in the sky above. Hal didn't know it at the time, but he wasn't the only one trying to answer that burning question. I was like, Dad, like, what is this? From Gimlet Media, this is Not Past It, a show about the stories we can't quite leave behind. Every episode, we take a moment from that very same week in history and tell you the story of how it shaped our world. I'm Simone Palanen. On March 13th, 1997, 25 years ago this week, lots of people like Hal Lee and his family looked up in the Arizona sky and saw something. Something they couldn't understand. The strange event was later called the Phoenix Lights, one of the most famous mass UFO sightings in American history. On the show, we're breaking it down. Who saw what and when, what the lights might have been, what the government told everyone it was, and why we're still seeking answers to UFO sightings today. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's coming up after the break. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet 
Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's March 13th, 1997. Hal Lee had just stepped out of the car in the driveway of his family home. Hal says he and his father looked up in the sky at this object that was moving towards them. It was emotional. It started with, you know, curiosity, excitement, and then utter confusion. Really confused, like beyond words confused. And then a thought that, oh my gosh, you know, aliens have invaded and I'm going to die now because that's what happens when these things happen. We had like hairs on our back of our neck that we were going to die. The lights started to do some weird things. Hal said the formation eventually changed shape. We noticed the distance between the lights were getting bigger sideways. So, like, the arch was growing. And we're like, oh, like, that's not a balloon then because the space is getting bigger between the lights. Hal was spooked. At some point, he bolted inside the house to grab his mom. And he's like, quick, look. The family stood clustered on the driveway. He said this formation had made its way closer and closer to them, now directly over their neighborhood. And it was huge. It's like one of those things, like if you're at an IMAX theater and you have to look way to the right if you're sitting in the front row to be able to see the other side, and you look way to the left. I mean, you couldn't look up at it and see it with one glance. Hal noticed something else. Normally, a plane or a jet would have made a loud noise flying through the valley. The sound would have bounced off the mountains, reverberating across the neighborhood. But he said this object was moving towards them in total silence. Giving me chills thinking about how slow it was and how low it was and how quiet it was. So let's talk about what Hal says he saw. There's a couple of videos of this moment. You can see them on YouTube. These lights were in a triangular shape, like birds flying in formation. Hal says in between each light was total darkness, no sense of the sky or stars. Whatever was hovering above them appeared to be a solid object. Like, when I saw it, it was a UFO. Like, I knew it was a UFO. Meaning that I didn't know what it was. But look, Hal wasn't alone in believing he saw a UFO. Actually, lots of people in Phoenix that night saw it too. Calls flooded the National UFO Reporting Center. According to those files, a couple wrote that they were walking their dog in a park in Phoenix when they saw a UFO pass over a mountain. In another reported sighting, a Little League game had to stop when the lights appeared over the crowd. And there were also reports of the sightings from different states, like Nevada, California, and New Mexico. The reports did contain some differences, but across the board, they were strikingly similar. Witnesses reported seeing a massive solid object made up of a series of lights. It appeared to be blocking the sky behind it, and it flew very low. Actor Kurt Russell even saw it 
While piloting a plane through Arizona, he talked about it years later. These bank of lights, six lights, in the shape of a triangle going back right over the airport. He says he was uh, descending into Phoenix, coordinating with air traffic control when he saw it. And I'm looking at them as I'm coming in. I'm, you know, on the on the horn talking to them, and I'm coming in. And I, I'm not saying anything about it because I'm kind of confused by it, but it, I can't tell. Now, if you can't trust the dude who starred in a movie called Sky High, I mean, hello, Sky is in the title, the location where this whole thing is taking place. Anyways, you get it. Lots of witnesses reported seeing this UFO. I'm guessing when you hear UFO, you're probably thinking, ooh, aliens. And by 1997 especially, UFOs were burned into the culture by a certain Hollywood blockbuster. Welcome to Earth. I was like, this is, it's Independence Day, it's Independence Day, because we had just saw the movie in 1996. So, of course, this big thing that we're realizing is a craft. Okay. I feel like we need some pop culture context here. So let me catch you up on where we are culturally in this moment. Okay, so it's the late 90s. Steven Spielberg's E.T. has already come out more than a decade before. Scully and Mulder of X-Files were fan faves. Is this why we came out here, Mulder? To look for UFOs? For the space nerds, there was Star Trek Voyager... And the movie Mars Attacks was also a hit. It's safe to say that there are obvious reasons why a fascination with the unknown and extraterrestrial life might have been on the minds of many Americans. People were hungry for alien stories. This was all in the zeitgeist for the many witnesses who say they saw the Phoenix Lights that night. But for lots of people who didn't see them, it was a story that amused them. The reports of sightings were largely dismissed as silly stuff. Networks started putting people like Hal and his dad on TV, but not taking them seriously. Tonight, first on Fox, we hear from a Phoenix family who may have been closer to whatever it was in the sky, closer than anyone else. Here's Hal's dad, Tim Lee. It's getting closer and closer, and we're saying, you know, that thing's coming right at us. Tim Lee and his family are among the hundreds of witnesses. But then... The story eventually crescendoed. On June 18th, USA Today ran a huge story about the event, finally putting a name to this thing that so many people had seen. The Phoenix Lights. The story made its circuit on the big national shows, like NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw. Are we alone? No, I don't mean just you and me. I mean this earth. Have we had some visitors recently? Tom Brokaw looks like he's holding back some laughs as he delivers the news. He's on the verge of an eye roll. The report does a few interviews with witnesses. Hal's dad was interviewed again. Something was there. It was a structure. It was going 35 miles an hour. It was huge. It didn't make a sound. And uh, you tell me what can do that. The increased media coverage put a spotlight on witnesses and their stories, including Hal. Anyone who didn't see the lights mocked him for what he saw. He was bullied about it, enough that it's still hard to talk about. A lot of times people made fun of me when I was a kid. 
because, you know, they're like, oh, you believe in aliens, you know, you're, they, you know, they beam you up, you know, you know, it's pretty traumatizing. Despite the ridicule that many witnesses were met with, they still wanted answers, even more so now because they wanted to prove what they saw was legit. For Hal and other witnesses, what happened next seemed like it might be what they were looking for. The day after the USA Today story ran, on June 19th, Arizona Republican Governor Fife Symington held a press conference where he promised to announce new developments behind the Phoenix Lights. Finally, Hal might be able to figure out what exactly he saw in the driveway that night. Them saying, like, on the news, like, oh, like, you know, we we had the results of what was over Phoenix. You know, and I remember sitting with my mom and my dad, and we're like, oh, my gosh, and it was Channel 3, you know, I watched that every morning before school. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, we get an answer, you know. Symington stands at this podium. Photographers are rapidly taking photos. The governor basically says he solved the mystery of the Phoenix Lights. And now I'll ask Officer Stein and his colleagues to escort the accused into the room so that we may all look upon the guilty party. Governor Symington's chief of staff, a guy named Jay Heiler, comes out in front of everyone wearing an alien costume? Literally, a huge rubber mask with shiny, beady eyes. Don't get him too close to me, please. (laughs) It's clear they're making a bit out of this. There are a lot of people laughing in the room. The staffer stands next to Symington. As part of the gag, he's in handcuffs. He takes the mask off. The crowd laughs. And basically, with a smile, Symington completely dismisses the entire incident. Then he delivers his punchline. This just goes to show that you guys are entirely too serious. (laughs) Now, for all the laughs in that room, it was a very different scene back at Hal's house when he watched this presser unfold. He said that it was difficult to watch on TV. The governor, five times, came out, you know, and I was just, you know, I just felt like I was getting made fun of again, you know. (sighs) Yeah, by that happening, it was like, you're a joke. If, like, this isn't real, get over it. After his little skit, Symington did say he'd looked into the matter. He said he made inquiries with the commander at Luke Air Force Base, the general in charge of the National Guard, and the head of the Department of Public Safety. But he hadn't learned anything yet. But the gist of this press conference was abundantly clear. He was basically saying, hey, that crazy thing you saw in the sky, it was a nothing burger. But then, something surprising happened that would throw everything that came before it into a totally new light. And just one light this time. Because someone, after all that fanfare, ended up changing his story. After the break, Governor Symington says he saw something that night too. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? 
Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Welcome back, my UFOs, my uber-fantastic, uh, organisms? Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Before the break, we learned about the Phoenix Lights, a mysterious formation that graced the night sky over the Southwest in March 1997. And we saw how the government officials in charge of looking into this stuff were treating these reports of UFO sightings like they were a joke. But then, around the 10-year anniversary, Governor Symington, the same guy who held the press conference with the staffer dressed up in an alien costume... Don't get him too close to me, please. (laughs) Well, he changed his tune. In this report that ran on CNN in 2007, Symington gave an interview. He'd left the governor's office by that point and was working in business. And he made an unexpected and strange comment to the reporter. He takes the reporter to a Phoenix park. The two of them are standing outside, bright skies around them. Symington has his hands on his hips. And then, I literally cannot believe what he says. If if you'd been here 10 years ago and standing out here and looking up there at the the lights and the view, um, you would have been astounded. You would have been amazed. Um, excuse me, sir. Are you not the same governor who made his little jokes about the Phoenix Lights incident in the first place? What led to this change of heart? A documentary filmmaker and ufologist says he sent a copy of his film about UFOs to the former governor. Symington apparently watched the documentary and was fascinated by it. Symington later said he wanted to set the record straight by coming forward to tell his story. He felt bad that people were ridiculed for what they had seen, what he saw. And so he did the CNN interview. And I suspect that unless the Defense Department proves us otherwise, that it was probably some form of an alien spacecraft. I think as a public figure, you have to be very careful about what you say because uh, people can have pretty uh, emotional reactions. There's an active Reddit community that still talks about the lights and Symington's flip-flopping, dragging the former governor for ridiculing people in the press conference. One commenter wrote recently, he tried to make it a joke. Now the joke's on him. Symington's flip-flopping shouldn't be that surprising, though. Over the decades, the federal government has approached UFOs in pretty much the same way. Because you guys... People have been seeing UFOs in the sky for a long time. The first widely reported UFO sighting was back in 1947. An amateur pilot said he saw lights in a formation near Mount Rainier in Washington state. In another early account, a rancher came across a massive wreckage near a military airfield in Roswell, New Mexico. Although the government said later it was a weather balloon. Through the 50s and 60s, sightings continued, with UFO spottings picking up alongside Cold War tensions. 
At one point, there was an effort to investigate these reports as part of something called Project Blue Book, headquartered at a military base in Ohio. But here's the thing. Through all these moments, the federal government has stayed pretty consistent on whether or not to investigate these sightings and what they mean. Are these things, if they exist, a threat to national security? That's what they're interested in. Greg Igigian is a professor who studies the history of science and medicine at Penn State University and is the author of an upcoming book on UFOs. He says over the decades, a pretty clear pattern emerged. UFO sightings kept happening, and the federal government dismissed those reports. The secrecy, the kind of posturing only added to the feeling that government is concealing stuff, government, you know, isn't taking this seriously enough. At least publicly. Because behind the scenes, they were always looking into what was going on. In 2017, the New York Times put out a bombshell story. It revealed that a shadowy corner of the Pentagon had actually been hiding their efforts to look into UFOs for nearly 10 years. And then, in 2021, came a real turning point steeped in fervor. For one, former President Barack Obama went on late night with James Corden and straight up talked about UFOs. What is true uh, and I'm, I'm actually being serious here, is, is that uh, there are, uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. And then, in June, a month after that appearance, the government released a very important report. What does the U.S. government know about UFOs? The Pentagon is releasing a report on that very question later this month. The director of National Intelligence Office issues this report. It's a very brief thing. It's not very lengthy. Very, very short on details. This report has a pretty fancy name. Preliminary Assessment, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. The office looked into more than 120 sightings reported by Navy pilots over the last two decades. And it's worth noting that this was released to the public, not kept hush-hush like these kinds of findings usually were. For the fear skeptics and the true believers, the UFO question was addressed head-on in this report. Basically, it says we've looked into it and we have to say the vast majority of these things seem to be real objects. These are not hoaxes. These are not um, uh, phantom projections or artifacts of our computer systems. Um, We don't know what most of them, if not all of them, are. Finally, some real acknowledgement from a federal organization. So even though this thing is brief and kind of vague, for any true believers out there who are hoping that these sightings are legitimate, this is a huge deal. The report concludes with a sort of mandate to look into this area yet again, but with a real concerted effort and with real resources. For people who are hoping for government to take seriously the prospect of extraterrestrials, there's enough in some of the wording here that tells us that they are at least tipping their hat to those folks and the folks who are lobbying for uh, the alien prospect more seriously and saying, we hear you. 
but it's 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 very cloaked in other wording. It's cloaked in other ways. So not an outright confirmation of alien life or anything like that, but they don't completely close the door on it. At the very least, the report acknowledges that these sightings are legit. So different from Hal's experience, watching a man dance around in an alien costume at that press conference, feeling totally invalidated. In a way, it affirms what that 10-year-old kid couldn't get anyone to believe him about. I was an innocent child. Like, I, I was just seeing something and then explaining it to people. They hear, like, oh, you saw a UFO, and you immediately think, like, oh, you believe in aliens, you know? And it's like, that's not even the conversation I'm having right now. The conversation I'm having is that there was something so beyond words that I cannot describe it. There are thousands of UFO sightings in North America each year. People who report to have seen strange phenomena, but are still left with no answers. And by the way, there are plausible theories, logical ones, for what happened in the sky in March 1997. The lights have been connected to flares that were being dumped in the sky from a military training flight nearby. Though true believers contest the timing of those flares against their own sightings. What strikes me, though is that this was never really an issue of what was in the sky that night. That it could definitely be one thing versus another, aliens or flares. Instead, it's really about belief. The folks wanting to be believed, the folks who don't believe them, the witnesses versus their government. That sense of transparency and honesty from a government, I think, would actually put everybody at ease more than hiding it. I understand from their perspective that they might say, well, you know, that might cause a little hysteria if we say that we don't know something. Sometimes you don't know, and you don't know what the future's going to hold. What Hal saw was as real to him then as it is now. Ultimately, them believing me or not isn't going to change what happened and when I know what happened. And that, you know, if I was alone by myself, I might even question my own reality and what I saw because it would just be so beyond belief. But it's something that, like, not only did I see it, my whole family saw it, and we were completely astonished. Hal believes he saw something that night. Regardless of what it was, his belief is unshakable. But it is scary to think about how deeply you might question your own experience if met with enough invalidation what you might overlook or dismiss in the absence of clarity. If Hal had been my friend, I do wonder how I would have received the news of what he saw. Would I be dismissive? Would I make fun of him? I'd like to think I'd be open to his experience. And honestly, I'm one of those people that's like, how could there not be aliens? But are they hovering over Arizona? I don't know. Are they huge fans of turquoise jewelry? I'm kidding, which is itself probably telling. It's tempting to lean on your logical brain, crack a joke, move on from this notion so far outside our reality. It's comfortable, because the truth is, we just don't know. These flying objects are unidentified. To even think about that a little too hard just makes my heart beat a little faster. I understand why someone would brush off Hal's experience. But then, 
to actually witness something you can't quite understand, I don't see how you could ever forget it. Not Past It is a Spotify original produced by Gimlet and ZSP Media. This episode was produced by Amy Padula. Next week, we look at the surprisingly exciting history of the metric system. The things we don't notice are, in fact, sometimes far more powerful than the things that we do. So the fact that measurement is kind of boring is its secret power. The rest of our team is producer Sarah Craig. Our associate producers are Ramoy Phillip and Julie Carley. Lauren Newcomb is our production assistant. The supervising producer is Erica Morrison. Editing by Katie Feather, Maura Waltz, and Andrea B. Scott. Fact-checking by Jane Ackerman. Sound design and mixing by Hansdale Shee. Original music by Sax Kicks Ave, Willie Green, Jay Bless, and Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Toko Liana by Coco Co. With music supervision by Liz Fulton, technical direction by Zach Schmidt, show art by Elise Harvin and Talia Rockman. The executive producer at DSP Media is Zach Stewart-Pontier. The executive producer from Gimlet is Abby Ruzica. If you want to learn more about UFOs and history, you can read reporter Leslie Kane's book called UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record. Special thanks to Lydia Polgreen, Dan Behar, Jen Hahn, Emily Wiedemann, Liz Stiles, and Joshua Bianchi. Follow Not Past It Now to listen for free, exclusively on Spotify. Click the little bell next to the follow button to get notifications for new episodes. You can follow me on Twitter, at Simone Polanin. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next week. As a, a person that saw a UFO, I was just in a very unique circumstance. And, you know, it is, it's a part of history. I don't know if anything like that will ever happen again.